What do all the following words have in common? Crossroad, intersection, cloverleaf, crosswalk, crossway, exchange, grade crossing, gridiron, interchange, junction, traversal, and underpass. Mm-hmm. They are all places where paths or roads meet and a decision must be made. True, we can sit at that intersection and watch the train go by, seemingly till the cows come home. But rest assured, one way or another, at some point, we must choose. Maybe some of us had something in mind before we got to the crossroads, a plan of action before we got there. Even at that, most of the time there's at least a couple ways to get to most places, and so there is still a decision to be made. I've asked this before. What or who is at the foundation of your decision-making machine? Who is in your wheelhouse? What or who governs how you come to the conclusions in life, like when at an intersection in your heart. Many of us say Jesus is the deciding factor, but if we inspected our lives closely, is that the truth? Really? How can you tell? And are you brave enough to call a spade a spade and do something about it? We live in a world of crossroads and intersections, places where decisions must be made and life can change at the turn of our foot. Whether to have coffee or tea, to wear the blue or the green, to get up now or later, to speak to this person and not to that one. Those are all typical intersections, a crossroads of decision everyone every day must make. It may seem subtle, it all may be taken for granted, but the Lord designed the life we lead to be a constant decision-making process. Jeremiah 6.16 Now this is what the Lord says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. When you stand at the intersection of the road near where you live, what do you see? Just watch and observe. Some people have a pattern they follow every day and hardly notice the intersection. Yet other people constantly find intersections difficult because a decisive decision may not come so easy to them. I'm Social Porter, and this is Outposts, a semi-live broadcast from the deck overlooking the Oklawaha River, where the trees gently lean over the river's edge and every evening is pleasant. We've got a breeze from the southwest this evening, clear skies and mild temperatures, and the best coffee and latte on the face of the planet. Mm -hmm. Well, it's acoustic jazz night. Cool jazz and contemplative conversation designed to encourage us to carefully consider the words of the Lord and to ponder to resolve his paths that we would enter into a closer relationship with Jesus. 
at the crossroads of life, often there's just so much traffic we can't seem to get across. A sense of urgency begins to rise up in us. Horns blare. The air grows with tension. We feel as if we've got to do something. Just do something. Sometimes, even if it's not the direction we wanted to go, we took action. It may not be the right direction, but still we're not sitting at the intersection where we appear to be paralyzed with indecision. Sometimes I think my mouth is a bottleneck, just too much traffic in my head, all headed to my mouth. All that thinking seems to hit all at once and I end up saying nothing out of sheer overload. Yeah, man, too much traffic in my head sometimes. You ever have that happen? Indecision at the crossroads can be a paralyzing event. Well, bide your time, relax and breathe. Tap your toe and dream a little and I'll be right back. Genesis 13, 9 to 11, Abram is having a conversation with Lot. Evidently, there had risen a contention between Abram and Lot, and the story continues along about how Abram was working to make peace. So, he offers to Lot an option. I believe Abram had thought about and had consulted with the Lord concerning what he would say and do at the crossroad between he and Lot, which they were fast approaching. Abram was asking Lot to decide which way he wanted to go, and he even gave Lot the option to choose first. Abram says, If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Then it says, The two men parted company. In our American English-speaking culture, we think of a crossroads where two roads cross paths. The physical roads are primary, and what to do there is secondary. With the Hebrew words used to describe a crossroad, the decision that must be made is primary, and the physical intersection itself is secondary. That says to me that how we come to our conclusions, how we decide our everyday actions is more primary to God than what we actually do. Of course, 
What we do is important to the Lord, of course, but I believe he's more interested in our decision-making machine and what fuels it, how we come to our conclusions. A young man asked me why was I being so scrutinizing of letters and words. Well, many years ago, the idea to understand the Bible in greater depth entered my mind, and as a result, I bought my first English-Greek Bible. I was astounded to learn many of our English words were truly insufficient translations many times for what God had in mind. My goal was to know what Jesus said more than what men say. I want to encourage everyone listening to never, ever take someone else's word for what the Bible says or what God means. You look it up. You find out for yourself. It is your responsibility to know for yourself. Look beyond the pastor. Look beyond the pulpit in your church. And look far and above to hear the Lord above all. No man ever set you free. No man ever healed you. No man understands you like Jesus. He has the words of life. He's the origin and source of all you need, not some person who has set themselves up or has allowed themselves to be set up as a standard. And if that preacher is worth his or her salt, they will tell you the same thing. In English, we use the single word love for a multitude of things. But the Lord speaks of several different types of love. Geographical love, friend love, intimate love, self-sacrificial love, and so on. Another good example is in English, we use the word see, that is S-E-E, -E, for everything under the sun, like do you see as in understand? Do you see as in a casual observance? Do you see as in a purposeful looking at? Or do you see as in looking at something amazing with eyes wide open? There are different words in Hebrew and Greek for all those variations, but in English, we just say, do you see? This evening though, the important word of this conversation is the word crossroad, or the phrase where two ways meet. God is interested in which way you go, of course, 
but he's more interested in how you came to that conclusion and why, why, why you thought it was a good idea. It also may be possible, it is very true, that most of us don't ever think about how we arrived at our present position until after the poo hits the fan. And it's even more of a remote possibility that most of us rarely, if ever, consider why we thought the path we're on was a good idea to begin with. I find any place in the Bible where there are crossroads mentioned, they are places of the miraculous. Mark 11.4 And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside in a place where two ways met, and they loosed him. Jesus told them where to go and what to do, and exactly as the Lord had said, miraculously, it all happened as Jesus said. In our lives at every crossroad, at every intersection where we must choose either the Lord or the world, the potential for divine intervention is astounding. As an example, in the Hebrew word for purity, the letters themselves carry the idea of choosing, meaning purity is more about how you come to your decision to not wound your conscience rather than just doing the right thing. Purity isn't gained by doing the rules, as the Pharisees thought. They felt that if they, in all condescension, could prevent people who were impure or generally unclean from touching them, then they themselves would remain pure. <laughs> I find it amazing. They first considered themselves pure in order to strive to remain pure. But then, along came Jesus who told them, You bunch of homeless frauds, you scribes and Pharisees, scoundrels and hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, First clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Mm, purity comes from within and is never gained by excluding everyone you consider to be beneath your dignity. Every time our lives intersect the lives of others, providing we're interested in intersecting the world around us, there is the opportunity at that crossroad for the life of Christ in us to touch others. The intersection of the Lord with ourselves is a powerful place of destiny and decision. Going with God is more important than getting what we want. It may be and likely is a path less traveled than others.
many, many stories and characters in the Bible at crossroads, places of decision. Joel 3.14 speaks of the sea of mankind who are in a difficult place, desperately in need of a decision. Multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. When God came to speak with Adam in Genesis 3.9, calling out, Adam, where are you? It wasn't a request for his geographical location. It was a request for Adam to consider whose side he was on, the side of God or the side of the devil. We don't have to be alone in coming to resolve over any issue. The Lord assures us that if we will prefer him, if we will let Jesus teach us how to live, honesty and truth will be our preference. The Lord wants us to grow up and make godly decisions based on our living relationship with Christ, not Jesus at a distance, but Jesus up close and personal. We don't have to be alone at the crossroads. In Acts 16, Paul and his team were troubled by a slave girl who was possessed. Acts 16 verses 17 and 18 read, This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men were servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. There, in verse 18, do you see it? The crossroads. It says, she kept this up for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, or so troubled, turned and said, that word annoyed or troubled in Greek literally means to toil through, implying irritation in addition to enduring while concluding a conflict. Paul was finally at a place where he had to make a decision as to whether to address the situation or do something else. He was at a crossroads as to what to do. After many days, he made a decision. And when the time came, he took action. Scripture is silent about this point, but I am also sure Paul conferred with the Lord about the course of action. Jesus was part of Paul's process. Don't you know Jesus is also Lord of the crossroads too? He sits patiently at all your crossroads waiting for you. Yes, that's right. He's already at your future place where two roads meet, poised to assist you in wise counsel. Without the Lord sitting in the command position in the decision-making machine within us, we are subject to every whim and wind of this chaotic world, easily swept to sea on a riptide of chance. Friends, I have ridden that rip-tide of chance more often than I care to admit. But I've learned this. 
It rarely, rarely turns out as well as we hoped. And God's counsel is always, always superior to the game of chance every day of the week and twice on Sunday. In 2 Chronicles 18 and 19, there is a story of when Hezekiah was king of Judah, and Sankafrib, king of Assyria, came and laid siege to the cities. The Israelites were boxed in, obviously. It was a very bad time. Hezekiah had to come to a decision. He was at a terrible crossroads and desperately needed to know what the Lord had to say. At one point in 2 Chronicles 19, Hezekiah spreads the threatening letter from the king of Assyria out on the floor before the Lord. And to paraphrase, he says, Can you see this? Please answer me. What are we going to do? This is terrible. The right move would have gained Israel the favor of God, leaving Israel intact. The wrong move would have cost them everything. I'd wager it was a very stressful time. Indeed, the Lord did answer. And in 2 Kings 19 verse 35, it says, That night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. When the king of Judah was at the crossroads, he consulted the Lord and the Lord delivered him. When Paul was at the crossroads in Acts 16, 6-10, the Lord gave him wisdom about what to do. Notice how Paul and company tested the waters, though, in search of the Holy Spirit's direction. They were very sensitive to the leading of the Spirit in that They were seriously prevented from speaking the word in Asia, and they didn't force their way forward. So they continued on to the next town, but the Lord did not allow them there either. They didn't just sit somewhere doing nothing. They were in motion, diligently searching as they went. They were playing by ear which is an old saying, meaning they listened to the Holy Spirit to hear what God was saying. Do you notice their movements in their searching for the word of the Lord? Finally, God gave them a vision, and bam, they were off in the direction the Lord gave them. 
Verse 10 uses the word immediately, more exactly meaning they didn't stop by the grocery store on the way or swing through and visit friends first. It means they went straight there. They broke camp and as quickly as they could get themselves together, they made a straight line for Macedonia. Notice also that they considered the vision a calling by God. Ah, this was no small event. Psalm 50 verse 15 says, And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. That is a promise. At the cross, Jesus had a chance. It was the crossroads of all intersections. He was God and also man, and he breathed air and lived just like you and me. He had a choice. He didn't have to be condemned to die. He could have stayed home and capitulated. All he had to do was be a good little doggy, nod and smile, doing whatever the religious authorities told him to do. All he had to do was lie to the Pharisees, telling them everything they wanted to hear so he wouldn't have to suffer for the sins of the world. He could have moved away rather than suffer the humiliation of the cross. But God, that's right, but God chose to give himself for us that we would be rescued from the grip of hell breaking the chains of chaos which bound us in darkness. Isaiah 53, verse 5 But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Let's bring it down closer to home. God could easily choose to ignore our prayers. He could easily just go off and do something else more convenient. But instead, He chooses to work with us and pursue us. Because of love, the Lord rose from the dead that we would have life and have it more abundantly. Righteousness was in the middle of the decision-making process of Jesus. Hope and peace Honesty and kindness are his foundation. Jesus chose us over the entire universe. For God so loved the world, he gave. He chose and gave his only Son, that whosoever would believe in him would be saved. My friend, as God chooses, let us choose. Who is at the root of your decision-making process? Who is in your wheelhouse? What is important to you, the drugs or your peace with God? When at the crossroads of making a decision to go drinking and living a life of violence or to keep your peace with Jesus, which will it be? These are the days that if you will ask God, He will answer. You may have to be patient and wait, but he will answer. I can assure you, the Lord stands ready at all our crossroads to help and bring us to where we need to be. And that's a big think about it.
Matthew 14, Peter was at a crossroads or a place where two ways met as to whether to try and walk on the water or not. In Acts 19, Paul decided to pay attention to a vision he had. And as a result, while at the crossroads of whether to press on the way they were going or to go the way the Lord had called him, he decided to go with God to Macedonia. In Colossians 4, Demas is revealed as having made a decision to go with God. But in 2 Timothy, it is revealed Demas re-decided his decision and went his way back to the world. I'm going to conclude. Demas spent an inordinate amount of time at the crossroads of decision as to whom he wanted more. Jesus or the world. Who is at the controls of your decision-making machine? To spend money or not, to be kind or not, to declare the name of Jesus or to be silent. Where are we as the church on this issue? I'm Social Porter and this has been Outposts, cool jazz and contemplative conversation. Speaking to issues which live where the rubber meets the road in our workaday world. This evening's production has been brought to you by Living in His Name Ministries, the incredible team at WK Studios, and Jeff and Karen at Trinity Bakers, where there's always something good in the oven. Let Jesus into your decision-making process. He stands ready to assist you with the very best counsel when we are at the place where two roads meet. The crossroads, needing to make a decision for life. Be strong and courageous. Be brave and risk with God. It's the best idea you'll ever have. Amen, amen.